In this episode of the Next Chapter podcast, I sit down with my friend and sister, Jun Jiba. We speak about grief and loss. This episode is not for the faint-hearted. It might trigger you. It might move you. It may even propel you to think about the things that happen in your life that make you stronger. My wish is that you delve into this conversation with an open mind and really gather strength from what she has to say. Thank you for listening and see you in the next episode. Hi. Hello, Miss June. How are you? Hi, Lisa. I'm good. Such a long time. I know it's been such a long time to actually speak to you. I haven't even Yeah, <laughs> it's been a while. How, How are you? Oh, I'm good. Um <clears throat> I'm actually sitting in Sweden in my new apartment. So I moved to Sweden. Um got a new apartment. And yeah, I'm having a day off. So that's why uh, this was perfect <laughs> today to report with you that's awesome i'm so happy thank you for making time i really yeah. appreciate it you're welcome you're where welcome. are you i'm in my house with my mom and my brother and we are we are quarantined and we're on level two which means that we are able to walk around with our masks and just you know be careful and um parks and recreational spaces are open unfortunately no um gatherings at the moment but i'm wow. well i'm well yeah and how's sweden in this pandemic era um i'm actually not sure to be honest i haven't been here for that long um but generally sweden has been open during corona as one yeah. of the only countries in Europe. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, in the area where I live, uh, there is not much um, infection going on, actually. It's mostly in the north. Um, but people are walking around here, no masks, no nothing. Like, even in public transport. Um, so they're kind of living their life as usual, I think. Um, yeah, that's also what I'm experiencing. But in Denmark, like the infect, like the infection numbers have gone up. So now we're also, and I don't, I'm not sure it's the same level as you when you say level two, but yeah. they're also recommending masks um, and covering yourself and staying at home as much as you can, trying to work from home if possible, and all of that. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's one of it's one of those um it's one of those countries where I I look at uh, you know Scandinavian countries Denmark, Sweden, Norway mm-hmm. and and I kind of sort of in a way um think it's not on the level that you know we're in because the the socioeconomic circumstances mm-hmm so different um exactly of course you know the pandemic will spread widely in you know in a space where there's literally no you know um in spaces where there's no sanitation proper sanitation and all of those things Mm. and and so on but i mean we see like what happens in america if there aren't any leaders who are looking out for their people no Um, (laughs) (laughs) definitely (laughs) something that's weird for me but um yeah um i you were one of those people especially because when i went to denmark and my journey to denmark kind of uh inspired this podcast yeah (laughs) how and i kind of felt um I mean, you're the first person that I met who was really like real, you know. 
you know in a way i was like wow <laughs> at least i meet somebody woman of color and we sit and we have coffee and she's actually real she's not <laughs> my imagination <laughs> uh but where did that come from you know like where where's june from because i think a lot of people who will listen later on will try and figure out who am i talking to who are you you know who is yeah. you and obviously you've got to married recently so you know what was your maiden name and who are you now <laughs> um, you know uh, a sister you know a friend you know mm, yeah um so my name is June June Talian Vom Uh, and I was recently married, so now my last name is Jiba. So I call myself June Jiba now. Uh, um, who I am? Well, I am 28 years old, and um, my mother was from Thailand, and my dad was from Denmark. So I consider myself being a mixed race person, um, and which has also shaped. Uh, I guess my identity and my cultural and uh, how to say that uh, lingual understanding of the world. Um, I am currently also studying, which I'm very excited about, um, beginning my master's after the summer in uh, economic growth, population and development. And uh, I will have like a specific focus on the economic development track which uh, I'm really excited about so yeah I am a sister yes to <laughs> three I have three siblings who are living in Thailand um, I have uh, a lot of friends um, not so many who are very close so I guess I also consider myself a friend um since i got married i've become a wife <laughs> um and yes i am also a daughter um both of my biological parents uh have passed away but uh when i was young i was uh, taken into care by my danish aunt and uncle and to this day my aunt is the only uh living person who i consider as a parenting role uh in my family so i i, I am a daughter um i guess and i still live in that uh relationship dynamic with my aunt so i also have that kind of i don't know um conversations and relationships in my life where you get really annoyed at your parents um but you still love them tremendously so yeah yeah that is me <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i mean you you are very um you're very proud of your heritage and where you come from and you're very vocal about who you are as a person and these many roles that you occupy um looking through your life right especially when mm. it comes to failure and how we consume it in our bodies and in our minds how is that you know how is that growing up as a child when you consider the 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 topic of just you know failing forward and using different lessons to to kind of cultivate a sense of who you are yes um so when you actually invited me to this podcast I was first I was feeling like yes I would definitely want to talk about failure and like how we need to recognize you know failure as a force of you know succeeding and then you asked me or you sent me these questions and one of them is like what is your biggest failure and I really got to think and reflect on like where have I failed or like where have i experienced this feeling of failure and i've actually been thinking about it quite a lot and I, maybe it's not weird to say but maybe it's uncommon um and i actually feel like i have not failed in a lot of things but digging deeper into that i think that it's actually because i have grown up without many uh, without having many expectations 
and also without having many expectations put upon me if that makes sense like a lot of children grow up you know having Uh, the expectations of their parents succeeding in a lot of things and doing a lot of things and reaching certain goals. Mm. Um, I grew up in what I would call a quite broken family mm. um, where my mother as an immigrant coming to Denmark was kind of just not having much expectations to what I would gain as long as I would just do better than her. Yeah. I know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it was like that that was if, if I may say so I'm a, maybe a missing expectation that was so so whatever I did uh she was proud of me or happy because I was already in a path that was exceeding her expectations. Yeah. Um At the same time, uh, my dad was also not, uh, how to say, it, a, a, a character that was uh, so, um, uh, I don't know how prevalent in my life. Like, yeah. uh, unfortunately, he passed away when I was 12 years old. And before that, he had lived a life where his own needs came before me as his child. Um, mm. He was... Uh, Yeah. So, so just to say that he was um, at at one point in his life, he was uh, also uh, how to say it. He was doing uh, criminal things and Ooh. was even in jail at some point. So my Danish family, from the beginning or like during my childhood, I guess uh, sometimes actually saw me as this child of one, a an immigrant, but two also a criminal. So just that fact in itself was like, well, we do not expect much of her. So mm. everything I did was kind of a surprise to them. Oh, she finished school. Wow. Oh, she plays music. Wow. You know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so just to say that in regards to, you know, to failure, it is really closely linked and related to what expectations other people have and also mm -hmm. the expectations you have for yourself. Definitely. Um, yes. I, I totally I totally agree because I mean a lot of people who might be listening and wondering what that means for them. Everybody has got such a different story when it comes to their family, right? Um Yes. And when my, when when I speak about my family about failure, um it's really it's really really also similar to yours because my <laughs> my family doesn't have the same kind of um expectations but what happened in my life was as soon as i i i exceeded certain expectations then there was the expectation to to outperform you know and then there was comparison in different shapes that came mm. into my life right so a lot of the things that i achieved as a girl my parents had really no control over it but over time you know um it became well it became something that needed to be um compared to something right so definitely even with just simple things like um studies or the choice of career or um whether i wanted to do something else it was always questioned with a sense of do you you know are you going this direction like somebody else's <laughs> child <laughs> or are you going to <laughs> going this direction uh in terms of what we'd like you to do because we've yes. seen something else and so it became a gradual journey and i think because my parents my my mother's still alive and my my father passed away a few years ago but mm. i actually think that it influenced a lot of my decisions um and i'm also wondering when i speak to other guests on the podcast um what 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 did that mean for you um the fact that you didn't have any expectations you know because mm. obviously it meant that you could do what you wanted <laughs> <laughs> well no <laughs> not to uh, what i wanted of course not um i think it affected me 
in the sense that I was always looking for expectations elsewhere. Mm. Uh, I remember also being a teenager and a, and a young woman, you know, being in relationships, for example. Well, um, mm. uh, that being actually uh, having relationships with both men and women, trying to figure out what they thought I should be, mm. if that makes sense. You know, like searching mm. for that um, expectation in them that they had towards me so I could try to live up to it. So yeah. I would... I would uh, continue to have something uh, that would drive my own development in a certain way. Um, so yeah, that, that definitely shaped me. Uh, and I think, you know, not just relationship, it would also be in teachers, you know, when you, when you go to school or um, when I, I have been playing music for many years, uh, I played uh, in a marching band for 15 years where I played trumpet. Oh. And, I, it, and in all of that journey, I would have friends and teachers in that band kind of putting expectation towards uh, how are we a band together. And in all of that, how to say, band identity, I would definitely also search for like what expect uh like what are expected of me in this context um so so without having all of these expectations as a child i think i was more curious and prone to actually search for it in other relations and in other contexts outside of the family mm. wow and so it's sort of like your social circle as a teenager just like gets influenced mm -hmm. by other people without you even being part of it and probably not it, even giving consent <laughs> yeah and, but definitely exactly exactly like that and 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 to be honest now that i'm thinking about it and you're asking me these questions i think that that has become a part of the pattern that i have as an adult today where i keep searching for how i can please other people to be honest mm. You know, how how do I please other people in, in the relationships that I'm building? Because I'm still looking, you know, for those expectations they have and, and how I should be. Oh. And I think um, since I met uh, the man who is today my husband, um, oh. he has started making me reflect upon who I actually want to be. You know, taking my own agency first. Yeah. And kind of more like trying to figure out but what are your own expectations to yourself definitely and 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 that is a journey that i'm still on because that has not been actively in my life for such a long time it, it, it's been three years you know um yeah since i've since i've consciously and actively started that reflection um so up until then, yes, I've definitely, you know, lived my life with pleasing others, trying to live up to their expectations. Um, I remember you, uh, the paper that you sent me with one of your questions that was like, what is your biggest failure? And I remember yeah. um, I began my first university studies eight years ago, back in 2012. And yeah. I felt so pressured, you know, I was like, oh, there are so many people who are now expecting me to, uh, you know, go into university. It was more, it was actually my mother yeah. at that time, uh, my, my Thai mom, who was like, uh, I want you to have a good job. And here in Denmark, to have a good job, you should continue studying. And uh, oh. she was... Uh, compared to where she is from you know she was very keen on living a good life which equals having enough money to provide for a stable life and and yeah living in a um in a certain class i would say um so, so i was very yeah. keen on like okay i need to take uh, i need to to study something where i can earn a lot of money <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so I started business <laughs> yeah. school, you know, and it was this, uh, it's called Asian studies program. It was like a business school where I yeah. studied uh, Chinese Mandarin and kind of this whole Asian culture. Mm. And to, to justify, you know, my choice, I was more like, well, it's close to my own culture. So let me just study this and then I will, you know, um, mm -hmm. fulfill my interest or like maybe I will find myself. And then I will also fulfill my mom's dream of studying something that will make me rich. 
Um, <laughs> but in that time, I just I just realized like I I this is not me. Like uh, maybe I can study at one point, but not now. I'm not ready for this. And also, it it's not of my interest at all. So I dropped out, and I think that was in the beginning a failure, because I was a failure of dropping out, mm. right? Like, you mm. how how can I become someone who cannot deal with what three years in school? You know, and mm. I mean, like today as an adult, thinking about three years—that's nothing, you know. Um, my mom was disappointed. My family was even no. They they had expected it. They were like, "Oh, yeah, she's a dropout." You know, it was kind of expected uh, in my Danish family a little bit that oh well, she she's the kind of person who doesn't know what she wants. So of course she dropped out. Um, so, so I think that was a failure for me, and. Uh, I chose to start a, a job. I had a part-time job at the time when I was studying, and I told my boss I want to uh, work full-time now because now I dropped out, and he was even disappointed in me. Like he was like, "Oh, are you sure about that? And do don't you want to keep studying? I think that's best for you." And um, yeah, I worked, and at some point I was like, "I wanna, I wanna try something with working uh, abroad." And I ended up moving yeah. to Gran Canaria, you know, the Canarian islands outside of Spain. Yeah. Canarian uh, and I became a tour guide. And people were like, a tour guide? Why do you want to be a tour guide? Like, don't they just drink beer and party and you don't get any money for it? And yeah. there were so many, again, back to the expectations of others, right? Um, yeah. And, and I just kind of... I was there um, trying to live my life and I was really good at that. <laughs> um, and I remember how I felt like that job was, how to say, derived from my failure. Like, oh, I failed at my study. I didn't even know how to be like a normal, successful person. And I need to take this shitty job now um, because I cannot figure things out. Do you get mm. where I'm coming at? It's kind of like it was derived from that failure um, feeling. From that fa failure. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I get you. I get you totally. Um, I get you in terms of because a lot of a lot of us, and I'm hoping that with this discussion it resonates, because a lot of us take up things thinking that they will remedy mm -hmm. our past situations or past yes. failures which is fine i mean i think it's such a beautiful thing to also come up with a plan as to how to cope with the yes. situation right because you needed to kind of get away from the situation in order to figure things out even though when you look at it it might be the biggest you know ultimate decision that made you come back home and do all sorts of things mm -hmm. after that but I think it's it's very very important for me especially because I remember when <laughs> when I started thinking about what failure means to me was that it became clear it became clear that I I wasn't necessarily seeking um, anything no to be honest I was just seeking to find peace and a, pa a place where I could feel seen and wanted yes. and accepted right so everywhere I went and every every traveling experience every study experience has always led me back to this idea of what is Balisa really yes. about and everyone that I meet almost feels like they were meant to just fit into a puzzle that I don't necessarily know where it's going to, what the bigger picture will be, right? So I think you're right in a sense that, you know, people expect us or people expect their children from mm -hmm. parents basically to to act or to act in a certain way or to, to do stuff that probably they wouldn't necessarily wouldn't necessarily actually achieve exactly. right because the 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 circumstances are different quite honestly i think that 
you you point to a very important thing when you talk about the expectations didn't necessarily come from people the expectation came from yes. you because you wanted to actually please everyone around you to accept you and to love you the way exactly. you are but you know you went went into a different path i totally relate to it the people pleaser <laughs> inside of me is shouting <laughs> very much <laughs> so yeah it's i could definitely relate to what you're saying and then what happened after you <laughs> did the canary island i want to hear if, if what happened well what that. happened was that you know actually what you just said with you know finding a solution where you get where you're seen you're accepted um i think that happened to me during that i was there for almost a year uh and i was mm. basically on my own you know i left my family and my friends in denmark and i i started a new job um i found out that i was really good at it and that i was happy you know it it was kind of a i had had spent a few years in my studies uh, at the time i was also in a relationship that was not making me feel good and got out of that Um, yeah. my relationship with friends was also kind of you know I was like what are we really like even with with friends friends um I I didn't know how to navigate these this space in my life because uh, I was so sad uh, and kind of felt forced forced to do this study that I I was just one big negative energy um So, so mm. coming to Gran Canaria, figuring out this job that I was good at, but I was good at it and I was happy doing it, and I got a shitty pay. Like I feel shitty pay, but I was. It, it made me happy to get up in the morning, you know, do my thing, and um, I was in a in a geographical location that made me happy. I was under the sun. Um, got a lot of energy mm. from that. Uh, and I just, you know, it's. The, I think the, the the key here is sometimes to just find something that you do every day that kind of makes you feel a little bit of happiness. So I, I feel like my year uh, in that island was kind of a recharger for me in a certain way, uh, and I wanted to I wanted to continue uh, down that path. Um, unfortunately, when I was around. 10 months in uh my mom calls me and says that she is sick and she has cancer uh, so uh, i actually end up coming home to denmark and i get approximately uh three days with her in the hospital before she dies before she passes away and she has uh, she hasn't she has kept it from me that she was sick Um, because she didn't want to bother my life now that I had found something that made me this happy. You yeah. Know? Um, but but yeah. the thing is that when I got home and uh, my mom passes away and I I am there in Denmark and 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 this big trauma actually has happened to me. I I, I can't really go back yeah. to where uh, to that bubble of happiness or that bubble of partying and living my youth life trying to figure out um what I want to be because when your parent dies uh it 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 kind of it, it gives you such a immense shock and I got into a complete identity crisis um yes like Ooh. my mom is uh she you know she's the one of my parent parents that that gave me and int- introduced to me what makes me different in the Danish society you know uh, she's the reason that I am a person of color she's the reason I'm a brown woman living in a white space and yeah. and, and the whole language yeah. and the culture behind that and and the ways that I'm thinking and seeing the world has been immensely influenced by her so when she Yes. I remember. I remember mentioning that. I'm um, yeah, so, definitely. So it's like when she dies, I'm like, "Oh, you're leaving me here with all the white people." You know? <laughs> and, <laughs> and and that was uh that was a thing I needed to figure out because I had I came back 
uh, to Denmark from Gran Canaria in the middle of uh, actually of my contract. I had not quit my job uh, when, mm. when going to the hospital in Denmark. Um, so I was actually in Denmark. That's when I quit. I quit from Denmark and I was like, I, I, I can't go back. Uh, and and yeah. I had suddenly I had no space, like I had no place to live. Uh, I had no job in Denmark and I was standing there with no money, but had to figure out uh, how do I do this, you know, um, with my mom's funeral. I have siblings in Thailand that I needed to tell that their mother had, had passed yeah. away, you know, and I, it was kind of like a big, yeah. I don't know, a big bag of so many things that I needed to do and, and and become practical about and, and it had to be all systematical suddenly and I think I just I really really mm. grew up uh, at that point yeah uh, death does death, death, death definitely makes you you know chin up and grow up in a very I mean it's a very um, I mean you you correct me yes, and let course. me know if I'm if I'm um, but like I think maybe you'll relate because when when my own father passed on I was not even in the in the mm-hmm. same region I was like just um, in a small town with my mm-hmm. then partner who you know we were at their farm and they were building a home with their with the with the parents right and I received the news of my father's death just after wow. Christmas <laughs> and um, I was literally thrown into the deep end of figuring out what that yeah. meant for me when he actually passed on and I could totally resonate with what you're saying about your mom um, I had seen my father just once in that month just before he died for like a few yeah. hours right and he was so open and so happy and he's the reason also why I actually am proud to be a black woman and just wandering in the world because he did it when I was in my yeah. mother's belly right in the 70s not even in the <laughs> 70s maybe yeah probably in the eight yeah in the 80s because I'm like 33 <laughs> but in the 80s um and while he was very just you know, adventurous and always seek. He yes. was a seeker, so he's always seeked knowledge and culture and loved people. And so, when I realized that he had, when I realized that all that there is with with death, and maybe you can also add to it, was the fact that when you lose someone, it doesn't necessarily mean that you lose them physically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. It means you lose some parts of yourself that related to them very strong in a strong way you know um um a lot of the things that influence me as as a person i've kind of you know taken up because of my dad but i also have let go of a lot of things that i thought would you know make him proud Right. So I've kind of been like, okay, now that that didn't work, <laughs> even, you know, I probably don't think it's it's time for me to still carry mm. that baggage because he didn't, you know, he didn't actually say much around my career, but I've always felt that there's always, you know, the legacy that he left with me has always been something that has influenced me a lot. And um, and also made me strong, yeah. right? Um, when he left, I was so, so fragile. But at the same time, I became a strong woman for myself and also just for everyone around me. Um, and obviously, because you're an older sibling, I mean, it, yeah. it counts, right? The, the notion of failing doesn't even come across your mind because you just want to focus on making sure that everything mm-hmm. runs smoothly. I really, you know, I recognize what you're saying, you know, with in regards to making your father proud, even though he's not alive. Like it becomes a mission in itself after their passing mm. because suddenly, um, I don't know why, if it's because we cannot get their acknowledgement or if it's because we cannot... Yeah, I don't know because to be honest, if you think about that, 
to make a person proud who has already passed away that becomes actually your own striving for something right Mm. Yeah, but but I I I recognize Definitely. what you're saying, and I think it's beautiful. Like your man, your father sounds like like a, a really precious man, um, and you're saying that you know he's a seeker, and I think that's uh, that's mm. very um, essential actually because I see you as a seeker now. Yeah, and like, thank I, I, you. I like have to <laughs> to think that you know that has an immense influence on your life, right? trying to you know even after yeah. their passing to take on some of their characteristics in a certain way and to yeah. try to mirror your parents and get closer to them and that in that sense um i remember yeah. you know when my when my father passed away i was i was 12 years old um and 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 now yeah. my narrative of my father like i i didn't know him as a person if that makes sense i knew him as dad you know i knew him as a father because i was not old enough to actually consider him being a person like a human who 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 did different things to me he was just dad um but but afterwards yes. uh, after his passing i was told a lot of stories about him like how he grew up and how he was and about his personality and you know how he was as a friend and a son and a brother and and in all of these characteristics uh i would find them inspiring you know and i, I would try to seek how can i become more of that so in a certain way i could become him or like closer to him in a certain way And yeah. I think that was what I did after yeah. his passing, you know, in my teenage years. He was adventurous. I am adventurous and I'm curious and I'm also seeking like you and 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 all of yeah. these characteristics that is how also my dad has been described and I have found um a lot of pride in that actually and and I feel like that because of I don't know these characteristics that I know more about who I am because I can relate it to a person that I was related to and that was that had actually lived but with my mom so she passed away when I was 23 so it it, yeah. it changes a bit of things because you or I, I you kind of grow up in a certain way and you start seeing your parents in a different light and i remember i yes. was around i think it was 20 when i had or i began having these really important conversations with my mom about her choices in life and why did you choose to come to denmark you know and and why did you do this and how are you seeing these and these things and and we came to a to a place yeah. you know where we even had healing conversations between each other uh because we had had a very mm. uh actually um kind of estranged relationship like i spent so many of my teenage mm. years being pissed at her for you know not being integrated mm. and not being danish enough and it was her fault that i was mm. this weird and this special and i was this brown and i was this you know different in the society that i grew up in but then you know in the, in my 20s we had a lot of these conversations and i kind of realized oh you're human you know you also a person who have had and have dreams like me you had uh, a love life you yeah. have friendships you even have kids i'm actually the youngest one um uh, before you said uh, the, the thing with being the oldest one her failure kind of not comes the in oldest, uh, yeah. i'm the youngest one Yeah uh, and my mom she had four kids before me with a Thai husband so uh, we are half siblings yeah. So, yeah um but the but the thing is with failure that i recognize with what you said was that well i am the sister who made it out that is how i'm seen you know i'm the sister who made it out i'm the privileged yeah. sister i'm the light skinned sister i'm the sister who's supposed to have everything Yes. Together. Oh so my So I am the one who needs to do everything right. Uh, oh my word. This is exactly right? me. It's crazy. Exactly <laughs> me. It's insane. It's insane how you have described 
so many things about me. Um, I remember like growing up, a lot of my friends, because my parents divorced when I was 13, obviously that was a major like fuck up for me because then it meant that I had to start yeah. over again. Um, and I viewed it as a fuck up on my part, not on my parents' part, by the way. I was just always protecting them. So you mean that um, it was your fault? But or? I think, Oh. Yeah, I always thought that the huge, the biggest thing that ever happened to me as a child was my yeah. parents' divorce. And, you know, I delve into it a little bit when I write about my my childhood, you know, because I'm trying to write a book and it's still not coming together, but it's coming <laughs> together. I believe in you. <laughs> I believe in you. <laughs> I know, I know, girl. I'm just like, whew. It's a lot of painful memories that one has to excavate, yes. right? Like you go into childhood as as a young girl, you might have this body of a 33-year-old, <sighs> but you discover that when you go into yeah. the 13-year-old, you actually... And you re- relive right? all the emotions so, in each sentence. And you relive all the... Yeah. Exactly. And so I often feel, which you actually talked about, that, you know... And I often think about death because death, when my father passed on, death informed mm. everything that I ever, after my dad's death was a, was a direct decision to not have the kind of life that my mm. parents had. So I literally, when my, when my dad died, I literally regarded my mom as someone that was there but not there so both of them died when my dad died for me because that could be that was a way for me to cope with the situation that first I went through a death of a marriage Mm -hmm. that I was part of which is on its own and a failure on on my part second my dad passes away in my 20s and now I have to figure out another way to you know navigate this life without him and then I needed to now cope with the situation. And then I just figured, well, my mom is also no longer in my life because for me, then it meant that I needed to deal with what is about to become part of my life, which is taking care of my younger brother, taking mm-hmm. care of myself, right? But also the struggle to get into, ter- to, to, to get into terms with, with loss has been one where I figure rather prepare yourself for the for the ultimate, you know, thing that will happen. Um, yes, it become it becomes in the a long run. Mechanism, suddenly, yes, a coping mechanism for some reason, you know, because even when I speak to my mother about death and we have to, you know, sort out some family stuff, she's often very nonchalant about it and says, "No, we can't talk about it." I don't know what's <laughs> happening with black women not wanting to talk about death um or even black communities or Mm. people of color it's like oh it's don't talk about death because you're bringing it on it's like voodoo you know if you talk about it why are you always thinking about the worst thing that can happen the worst scenario (laughs) and i'm like no you need to talk about it you know because actually that's the number one thing that I think about when, you know, when when I really want to figure my stuff out, I think if I were to die tomorrow, you know, what would actually make me want to do the things yes. that I want to do? Uh, yes, right? If not, and that's what the, the, the real question about failure is. If, if there was no failure in my life, what would I be doing, mm. you know? And how would I be navigating my life without any of these expectations from people, without actually somebody saying, hey, you're good at this, you know, you should actually make money out of this, you know, and I was just like, okay, you know, because a lot of people point, you know, you find that a lot of people that you don't actually know would point to the very things that you're trying to avoid because you think you're not good Mm -hmm. at them or you're not good enough. That's true. And I mean, when you talk about your mom, I'm just like, especially when you talk about your mom being the influencer in your life and talking about how she influenced you to be proud of who you are. And I think a lot of brown, you know, 
brown women in Denmark who obviously have got mixed race background will identify with that because I think it's such an important thing when we walk into spaces where there's so much whiteness, mm. there's so much um, uh, racism that, you know, it's important to kind of say, you know what, actually I am who I am because there was somebody who broke down the door for me to actually realize mm-hmm. how special I am, you yes. know, and, and somebody sat me down and told me it's okay to be who I, who mm. you are. It's okay to be, you know, um, a woman of color in Denmark and be free and, you know, all these wonderful things and play the trumpet <laughs> and be an economic growth <laughs> expert, you know, it's like, okay. exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, cause it's, if it's not if it's not you know those people then who shall do that for us i don't know you know yeah. i mean any lost just shared exactly yeah you're so right mm, i've been thinking also um so uh my husband he's gambian and and you know he mm. grew up uh, in a complete different context and narrative as well and I remember uh, oh. having a conversation with his mother which was really interesting because uh, even though I have a parenting role here in Denmark my aunt, my grandmother is also still alive These da- my Danish, you know uh, how do you say, maternity roles when I sat down with oh. my husband's mother we don't even speak the same language she speaks Wolof and oh. I was speaking English and we tried to make sense of each other and we actually had a conversation that lasted for almost an hour when we sat, sit, sat down together. Mm-hmm. The, the love she has for me and the way that she was talking about who she sees me as, if that makes sense. We had a conversation about, you know... Um, my, my family relation she was asking about my family and I was trying to explain it to her and showing her pictures yeah. and she was like ah now I see like because when we first met uh, me and Andrew she thought that you know I was a, a white woman from Denmark and and she had a, mm. a certain uh, pre you know understanding of what that was and when we met and she knew about my, you know, my ethnic background, my nationality, and we got to talk about our families. But but it was this this was at this conversation, that was where she realized, ah, okay, so you are actually understanding some cultural and family dynamics that I value in our family and that I have given to my son. And um, I remember uh. she said something to me about how she was viewing me as a woman. And how she wanted me to be her daughter. And at, there was this, I don't know, like a split second. And I felt like my mother was in the room. And passing the, mm. like, kind of an acceptance to Andrew's mother of like, now you need to make this woman take care of you. Like allowing her to be your new mother. And it, it, it just touched yeah. me so much because here is a woman who have not you know, seeing how I grew up, knowing about my family relations, uh, you know, understanding everything that came before me meeting her son. But she saw me where I was as I am. And that just Mm. touched me so much. I I don't know if that makes sense. Uh, (laughs) And it does. It does. And I'm just like, it, it makes me incredibly happy that I am now married into a family where I get more of the cultural understanding, the way of being a family that is actually closer to what my mom grew up with and what she tried to teach me in Denmark. But because I was living in Denmark in the context, I was shaming her for it, you know? I was shaming yeah. her for not being yeah. correctly Danish or speaking correctly or doing things correctly. And 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 I needed and, and and I needed, I don't know, pride that she was not able to give me until she actually passed away and I saw it myself and was like, oh, she was just trying to be proud 
of who she was. And I was the child who tried to shame her for being who she is. So I feel like Andrew's mom has now become this, it's not a second chance, but it's more like she's opening a door into showing me what my mom already tried showing me that I didn't, that I just took for granted the first time and I didn't really appreciate it. But now I'm an adult and I can actually appreciate it. I don't know. Yeah. Wow. I'm actually in tears because you've just, everything you've just said is such a full circle moment for me because it's what it is, you know? I it think- is. And, and I feel like, you know, talking again about failure and doing something uh, kind of when you feel like you have done something wrong. I had I have been living it for many years now since my mom passed away <clears throat> with the feeling that I did something wrong to her when I was a child, you know, shaming her, saying yeah. uh, that she was not good enough and, and trying, you know, and I, I cannot even imagine having a child that points the finger at you and telling you that you need, you know, why are you not right? Like, why are you like this? Why are you weird? You know, keeping keeping you feeling shameful and I have been feeling so very bad about that for many years and and because when someone dies you start regretting things as well and that that, that is maybe a whole other conversation about how you feel you know when people when people pass away but but it's more like you start thinking yeah. about what you would have done differently what what should I have done better? Where should I have been? And and could I have you know prevented? And could I da 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 da? All of these things. And and for so many years I've been living with yeah. that feeling of like, oh, I was such a bad daughter, and I did so many things wrong. But today, after you know thinking about this, when you say full circle, I'm actually more of, well, yes, I had that feeling, and it's okay to have that feeling. But it's a, how do you say it, a catalyst or like a driver to change your perspective. Yeah. And then maybe actually appreciating yeah. something else or appreciating that you felt like that in order to change. To change, exactly. To change because, I mean, I'm such a, we'll, we'll talk, you know, about other things offline because I think you and I have a lot to talk about. <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> I still, I still think Corona has done me wrong because I would have been living the best life <laughs> in Sweden. But anyway, um, we'll get into just, I want to just end off the conversation by just asking you, what is it that you value now, you know, in looking at your journey? I think being like a young woman and just, you know, being outside of your country, mm. Uh, I mean, Sweden is 30, I mean, you live 30 minutes away from <laughs> Copenhagen. So it's like you're missing like a whole, you know, family vibe yes. kind of a thing. But what does that mean? Because obviously, you know, you're in a different environment now and having moved around so many times in your life, um, what is what is what does success mean to you now? Mm. You know? What does success mean to me? Um, I... Uh... I'm not really sure, to be honest. I know that, you know, these, these failures or like, you know, these things uh, that I have been through, the, the, the traveling, uh, the people passing away, all the struggles, like I have started to grow into appreciating them so much. Um, they have helped me, you know, grow into the woman I am today because I've actually fought to be this woman that I am. And so, so that makes me appreciative of who I am. But putting it in, in the context of now I have moved to another country uh, due to Corona, my husband is stuck in Gambia. So I'm here alone. I am uh, far from my family. Yeah. I have uh, moved away from my very well-connected network that I have in Copenhagen. And because I want to pursue yeah. something else in my life. Uh, that is for me mm. and I'm struggling with that like I'm yeah. struggling with you know despite being the strong and, and, and tough woman that I am I'm, I'm resilient and can do a lot of things I'm struggling with going uh, down my own path 
you know, trying to reach my own mm. goal. So I think success for me is when I can, uh, how do I say it? Be comfortable in the uncomfortable of a new context, yeah. new situation. Yeah. And mm. yeah, trying to navigate this life of just being basically like you know without the the, the driving forces of you know being this and that that and and whatever people are expecting back to always searching for other people's expectations but now actually trying to meet my own expectations my own goals and going down the path even though it means that i need to disconnect uh from certain people and yeah. spaces so, so yeah, that for me yeah, is success, success, I would say. Yeah, definitely. Um, I really resonate with that, especially when you say being comfortable with the uncomfortable and learning to just stay in your in your own being mm-hmm. and learning to just want to be on your own and seeking that for 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 the rest of your life, you know, and just loving the people around you exactly. the way they are i think those are the takeaways that i've received from you today it's just loving people the way they are and learning to just cope with the circumstances that they that they find themselves in because sometimes it's not you know it's not them it's just Definitely. circumstances and way things have yes. them you know um because point to your mom and being a woman of color in denmark in the time that she was there it's totally different from, yes. you know, well, circumstances in Denmark when you were growing up. Obviously, Denmark is still changing. I think my relationship, when we spoke about Denmark, you were like spitting <laughs> fire. <laughs> but that's another conversation. Um, well, you know, we could talk forever and talk about just like, yeah, I also wanted to ask you about the idea of Hugo. Like, what is that about in Denmark? Can we just talk about that before we leave? Yes. <laughs> Can you tell the people what Hugo yes. is? Because one of these days when the borders are open, people are going to experience Denmark and want to know why are these people obsessed with this coziness? Because, yeah. It's failing the cultural dynamic in that country. <laughs> That's so true. Um, Hygge. So it's spelled H-Y-G-G-E. Hygge. And it's, um, it's, it's a Danish concept of um, having a good time in a... Uh, I think usually maybe not uh, but like relaxed environment but relaxed does not necessarily mean you know sitting in a big couch with a blanket on and hot hot chocolate which can also be hygge but it can also be that we are just generally having a good time and people in a good mood we're having some good conversations and there are some good things going on and usually it's like uh, we're eating together or we're doing an activity together um, or, and just enjoying like each other's, um, uh, I don't know, like, you know, social relationships and each other's company. The, the, yeah. the thing with hygge is that Danish people in, in the Danish culture, we're always striving towards having hygge. Which makes it really, really difficult sometimes to have some deep and essential conversations about problematic issues, about death, as we just talked about now. Like, what is it with some people who cannot talk about that? Um, and, and, and some other issues, because what we would say if someone becomes a killjoy and brings up an issue you don't yeah. want to talk about is like, oh, now you're breaking the hygge. Why did you do that? Uh. So, so mm. do, you, do you get what I mean? Like, yes, it's it's comfortable and it's nice, but it's problematic that we always strive towards having this feeling or like this situation that is hygge. Um, I think you can relate it a lot to the whole movement and and I don't I don't know ideology of like we strive towards always being fine and happy. Like, how are you? I'm good. Mm. You know, that whole conversation, yeah. that positivity yeah. and happiness 
is the ultimate ah. thing of life. Mm. Yes, and I think in Denmark it's very much the same with this hygge thing. Um, yeah, so 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 people will definitely experience that if they come to Denmark, um, and also here during Corona uh, with the Black Lives Matter Black Lives Matter movement, you know, yes. uh, firing up and like being uh, more uh, out there. In Denmark, mm. we have taken up this um, definition that we called hygge racism. It's, it's mm. actually a word. Um, and it's yeah. like when you're in this situation of hygge, uh, says comments or things or like have microaggressions, that is actually mm. racist. But we mm. kind of wrap it inside this hygge so it becomes uh, justified to say and a lot mm. of Danish people, and in the Danish culture, it's very, very essential. Um, uh, it's a very mm. big part of, of our culture, unfortunately. And, and, and Danish people generally, uh, you know, have a difficulty of seeing that hygge racism is bad. You know, that it's uh, that, that it shouldn't mm. exist because they just mend it, you know, in a jovial way. Or, you know, or if you have a... Uh, a situation where everyone are feeling good and comfortable and we are having this hygge and someone says a joke that's racist someone points it out suddenly you're the bad person because you destroyed the hygge moment you know mm. we have a lot of that yeah um wow <laughs> i just want to i just want to drop some flowers over and be like girl you deserve some flowers for this <laughs> information I believe it's such emotional labor to educate people about this kind of, you know, racism because, you know, it's just like there's so many. I could point out to a million examples of what Hugo can look like in my context and in the African context yeah. and black communities. And you could probably have a gazillion, you know, examples in all sorts of, you know, your experiences, especially with, uh, you know, Danish uh, culture but gosh like (laughs) it's such an important important I mean I've traveled you've traveled there's one thing about European uh, communities whenever I and this concept of just always being fine Mm -hmm. right and when you're a woman of color or somebody that walks into a space and says I'm not okay what that means to the next person who is not into that, right? Definitely. And is refusing to see that, right? It's so important. It's so important to voice it out because, gosh, people are dying inside, you know? We need to breathe, Definitely. you know? <laughs> and also just <laughs> if, if you want to relate it, like now we're talking about failure, right? What would happen mm. if I asked you, Balisa, like, how is life treating you right now? And you would say, mm. well, I feel like a failure. Oh, mm. okay, let's have that conversation, you know? In, mm. Instead of being like, oh, yeah, it's fine. Like, I'm fine. Yeah. Like, yeah. let's, let's yeah. be real, you know? Let's have that conversation because mm. maybe I could actually learn something. And maybe you could actually feel seen and maybe, you know, get something out of mm. that conversation that would make you feel like less of a failure or even make you get inspired to continue mm. your journey you know yeah definitely instead of being like yeah it's okay you'll figure it out yes. bye exactly <laughs> yes yeah definitely uh, it's such a pleasure to speak to you, you it's too. been such a journey talking to you i'm just like i want to talk to her again <laughs> hopefully like have you again on the podcast and yeah i'll definitely um send you the edited version i'm not gonna try to edit anything out of here because we have just been talking (laughs) talking so much actually (laughs) and it's so beautiful it's like i don't even want to edit anything out so definitely worth a listen again because yeah you dropped some gems um and you also just are beautiful courageous woman and somebody that i look up to very much so thank you so much (laughs) 
thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate that you wanted me to join you. I was like, oh my god, Valisa is doing a podcast. That has also been my dream <laughs> for such a long time, and I was like, maybe yeah. this, you know, is the moment the way I need to engage, and then maybe I will feel inspired yeah. to actually yeah. take a step yeah. and do it myself. Yeah. Um, so thank you so yeah. much. And this has been fun. Yeah. I didn't even feel like we were it recording has. or it's like a podcast. I feel like I'm just talking to a, a really old friend, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and I'm very surprised that you remember all of these details about me and my story. Uh, like, I was just, yeah, we, we, that, you know, we were just <laughs> sitting in that cafe and having coffee. And, and I really, you know... There was this one day when you were uh, you wrote in Facebook uh, when you made this post about our first meet meeting, and I was just like, yeah, like oh, I didn't even know that she felt you know the same impact of that conversation as I do, you know. Mm. I was really like, oh, she also feels that. I'm really grateful and happy that that you know that it it's uh, yeah that you also feel like that. So yeah, thank you. I do. I think it. I do. I totally do. I'm, I'm just like you know. Yeah, I do. But anyway, I really, 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 really appreciate you. Thank you. I really think you're going to do amazing things in the future, and you're already doing amazing. Just being by being yourself and just watching you bloom in in every way, and just yeah, keep doing it. Uh, I'll be rooting for you. I will definitely be you know sharing and sharing lots of things that you'll be doing thank in the future you. so thank you for coming on to <laughs> the podcast and to your next chapter which is in sweden you yes. know so yeah thank, thank you so much <laughs> and and i think we should just uh, stay in contact and yeah let's let's call each other because we definitely have so much more to talk about <laughs> Definitely, I think this calls for another session away from the podcast. Yes, but yes, yeah, definitely. definitely. <laughs> Let's do that. All right. Um, yeah, <laughs> okay. Have a have a good evening and have a good week and and blessings to you and your loved ones. Thank you so much, and you too. Okay. All right. Take care. All right. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. Remember to follow us on Instagram at failure underscore podcast. And you are most welcome to follow me at Jaji on Instagram and Twitter. I look forward to hearing your feedback. This is another episode that has really worked on my heartstrings. I hope that when you listen to this, You are sitting with a cup of tea and reflecting on what June has said to us. Till next time, I will see you on the next episode.